Welcome to the ESOP Minicast, brought to you by Capital Trustees, a great way to wrap up the week. Friends, thanks for tuning in to the ESOP Minicast. My name is Brett Kiesling, and I'm really glad you're here. This is going to be hopefully a fun episode. We're going to talk about the lessons we're learning in two years of podcasting. A uh, little bit unusual. Uh, this is a one-person episode. I'm recording editing myself. Uh, the other thing that's different is that I'm simultaneously broadcasting this on Periscope for those who want to peek in. And uh, finally, if you've listened to the podcasts, uh, I like to chat. I get distracted. Uh, what started as a short podcast in our ESOP podcast generally ran 40, 45 minutes in the last couple of years. So I'm going to set my timer for seven minutes. When I get to seven minutes, I'm going to wrap up. With that, let me tee up the conversation. This is a great opportunity for this episode because uh, a couple of days ago, and I'm recording this on August 8th for distribution, August 9th, 2019, we hit our 25,000th listen in two years of doing the ESOP podcast. We're very, very proud of that. We're very grateful to everybody who made that possible, and I'm very grateful to the team uh, who brought it together. The other thing is that, as many people know, I'm transitioning from uh, my role as co-managing director of Capital Trustees, and I'm uh, forming a couple of entities. Uh, essentially, I'm going to produce and distribute content to employee owners and their companies, uh, so this is a great opportunity for me to transition that. There was an article in the New York Times in July uh, that kind of... Uh, uh, was the uh, impetus for this episode. It said, have podcasts run their course or something like that. And someone on uh, employee ownership world on social media that I respect quite a bit uh, tweeted the article, said that she and her team were considering a podcast about ESOPs and was it true had they run their course. Uh, I haven't read the article because I don't want to get bogged down in the details of the article. Uh, I'm going to just tee it up with two points. Are there too many podcasts? Yes, just like there's too much television. We don't need more television. On the other hand, I'm constantly looking for people for suggestions of quality television to watch. So is the answer, are there too many podcasts? Probably. The other thing is, is there always room for a good uh, podcast with a good voice? Absolutely. The other thing, uh, just to frame the podcast reference, is... Uh, uh, it's a very broad term. The number one rated podcast in the United States is the Ron Burgundy podcast, Will Ferrell. Uh, I think it's great. I don't consider that a podcast in the same way that my podcast is a podcast. Uh, similarly, uh, a lot of radio stations, for example, uh, will take their, their air personalities, repackage it, call it a podcast, more power to them, not what I'm doing. Uh, so, is there room for podcasts? Absolutely. As long as you're good, you got a voice, you know how to do it. For those who are uh, looking for the short, sweet information, decide your topic, find a way to do the SEO, uh, the social media stuff. Uh, you can do the sound editing yourself. You can invest $125 in equipment that will get you running, and you can talk to your heart's content, and maybe nobody will find you. So, I'm going to go through what I think has brought us to where we are with 25,000 listens. And as I prepared this, there's no false modesty whatsoever. I understand that I thought of the ESOP podcast, it's kind of quote-unquote my baby, and I get uh, most of the public recognition. But as you're going to see on the list of relevant uh, parties to where we are today, 
I rank seventh, and I mean that very sincerely. So let's uh, jump into it. Uh, first of all, SEO, very important. We could produce as good a podcast as uh, uh, possible, could be the best in the world, but if people can't find it, uh, it doesn't matter. What I realized when we started the ESOP podcast, I just wanted to do a podcast, probably like many of you. I was very lucky uh, uh, to um, have a friend and uh, a colleague in, outside of employee ownership who is an expert at the uh, mechanics of the internet. She tried to explain to me once how a podcast gets online, and uh, because I'm slow in some areas, we uh, uh, dispensed her expertise to, she pushes a button, the hamster's running the wheels, my podcasts go out. Gross oversimplification, the reality is, if she didn't do her job great, you would never have found our podcast. Second, uh, the sound editing of the podcast. Uh, your needs are gonna vary. Um, We've been extremely fortunate to have Brian Kiesling as the producer and uh, 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 sound editor for the podcast. First of all, unique to Capital Trustees' ESOP podcast, uh, Capital Trustees are fiduciaries. We were mindful that at any point the Department of Labor in our industry could circle back and say to us in a um, uh, employee ownership claim, so to speak, hey, you said this on your podcast, why wasn't it followed? So in other words, we were aware every word uh, we had to be careful. Brian had the expertise, frankly, the knowledge and, and, and caring enough to be very meticulous in our early days to make sure we didn't inadvertently uh, uh, cause problems. Uh, so we needed the expertise in-house, Brian had that. Fortuitously, uh, Brian majored in film studies and was a talented sound editor before he ever came to Cap Trustees. You may be inclined to just do the sound editing yourself, do a couple of clicks, perhaps you can do that. If this is a business purpose, then what I'm gonna say to you is you have better things to do with your time. But here's something I didn't realize till the last couple of weeks until we, uh, uh, frankly, have begun the transition to the next phase, and that's Brian has done a masterful job editing all of the uh, podcasts that we have done in what have been, I now understand, horrendous conditions based on my decisions. I didn't want to do phone interviews, I wanted to do live interviews. I uh, uh, wanted a longer form conversation. I say uh a lot. We uh, recorded oftentimes in conferences where there was a lot of ambient noise and we had to for logistical reasons. Brian's done a masterful job, and what I've realized in the last couple of weeks as I've streamlined, uh, 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 as I've streamlined the uh, podcast that we're moving forward is in every almost production decision that I made, in-person interviews, et cetera, made Brian's job much, much harder, and he did a great job. You can find a sound editor uh, very easily online. Uh, you can do it yourself. If you're in business, don't take the time. That takes away from your core, core mission. Uh, uh, but feel free to do it if you would like. Number three and number four, together, the opening. I was surprised when we first started two years ago, uh, and in context, September through December of 2020, 
17, we had 700 listeners total. We had 10,900 listeners in all of 2018. And as of uh, this week, we've got 14,000, give or take, in 2019. So we've had uh, a progression. In the early days, a lot of people came up to me, feels like a lot of people, and said, wow, your podcast is so professional. I said, thank you. And then they'd say the opening and the music uh, uh, really uh, tease it off. And what I didn't understand because it was an accident is as soon as people listened, uh, they heard uh, theme music composed by Max Kiesling, who's another one of my sons, and uh, the voiceover by Bitsy McCall, who's uh, the graphic designer uh, uh, for everything that I do, but she's also a talented musician. She used to host a radio show. Here's a little hint for you. The podcast that I listened to before I started uh, uh, recording my own all had openings with music and, and intros like that. So I thought that was the way it was done. What I didn't realize, and much of what I've done in the last couple of years has been very inadvertent, is that said the tone. I'm very lucky that Max Kiesling has recorded uh, music for the podcast, and I'm super proud of him. I'm very lucky that, that my friend Bitsy does a great voiceover. What I didn't realize at the time is, again, that set the tone for the whole podcast. Uh, five, the guests. The guests are more important to uh, uh, the success than I am in this sense. I have a certain little uh, amount of expertise. I'm not underplaying that. But if you listen to these uh, podcasts, I tried very hard not to have people come on to show me how smart I was. I tried very hard to have people come on who are smart, who are experts, talented at what they do, and then I just helped them tell their story. Listeners, two things. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are without the listeners. But it's not just our listeners, it's any podcast listeners. Talk to your listeners, try and get the data, and uh, uh, also talk to people who like other podcasts. A friend of mine I respect quite a bit uh, mentioned that he listens to business podcasts. He's a busy guy. He said, I don't listen to any podcast I can't listen to at uh, uh, two times the speed. He's busy. I understand that. I also understand that if someone put my voice at two times the speed, there's likely to cause problems to their equipment. So be mindful of what people like. If you agree with it, incorporate it. If you don't, uh, uh, if, if you don't uh, uh, dispense with it, but be aware. Now for my role. I dreamed of the podcast. I wanted to do the podcast quite candidly. Um, I probably would have done a podcast in 2017. Uh, uh, regardless of what field I was in, I happened to be an ESOPs. If you're a business entrepreneur, you understand that. I found something I loved. I was in a certain space at the time. Moving forward, and this ties together with the data and uh, the impetus for this, uh, we just did the podcast as capital trustees because we wanted to. So we knew the number of listeners, but weren't really concerned about the data. One reason why you want a professional SEO person is to track the data, because as I've transitioned from cap trustees, where I'm doing a podcast as part of serving as a fiduciary, to transitioning to my role where I look at it as I produce and distribute content, 
The fact of the matter is much of what we're doing uh, going forward uh, comes directly from uh, our social media guru uh, who had not just who the listeners were, but the data on how they found us, what they were searching for. So I can't stress the importance enough of uh, uh, having somebody who knows the data and then we'll help you use it. There was a question online that generated this and then I'm going to go to wrap up because as is my uh, habit, I forgot to set the time so I don't know when seven minutes will be up. But someone uh, posed the question, is there, uh, they were considering an ESOP related podcast and um, was there room if podcasts run their course? I responded with what I hope was genuine enthusiasm and I want to explain why. Used to be, probably in some ways still am hyper competitive. When I first started the podcast about six months in, somebody said, hey, what if somebody else starts an ESOP podcast? And I said, I'll change my tagline. It will, my tagline will be, there are other podcasts about ESOP, there's only one ESOP podcast. Here's a big difference. I have decided I'm going to devote my passion, my energies to employee ownership. If anybody wants to do a podcast in that field, then I'm going to support them because we need voices. Let me give an example. Um, if you are focused on providing fitness services in the employee ownership field, I could look at it that, wow, I could add someone to my team who would go to companies and provide fitness services and compete. Or I can say, wow, they're doing something really cool in their space and I'm going to support that. The point is this, we have 17 million employee owners in the United States at the moment. Sold out national conferences get about 1,800 people. Find your voice, make it unique, and I promise you, if you are doing something in the employee ownership field, I will support you, I will tweet you, I'll have you on as my guest, and I'll uh, provide you background information. I can't cover what I've learned with the ESOP podcast. I can't cover all of the uh, topics of employee ownership. Other people need to do that. So let me just give an example. And this uh, may be how you can frame your own podcast. Let's say your passion is specifically workplace bullying. And you're in the employee ownership field because that covers both of your passions. So you've put together programs that you're going to market to companies about workplace bullying. You want to do a podcast that supports the workplace bullying program. And by the way, you also offer related type programs, but workplace bullying is really your forte, your national reputation, and you are the real deal. You can start a podcast, you have three ways to go about it. You want to get hired by companies. You can have a podcast that is all about you and devoted to your expertise and why you are the only one who can uh, possibly do a good presentation at workplace bullying. And that's a legitimate business model. You cannot have anybody else in your field on your podcast because you need to carve out your space in the sandbox and nobody else does what you do. Let me take half a step back. Nobody else does what you do. You're right. You are preeminent. You are the best at what you do. But going back, we have 17 million employee owners, 
1,800 people at conferences, a lot of those professional advisors. In the ESOP field, about 7,000 employee-owned companies, about 800 go to the conferences. We in employee ownership are so locked in to protecting our space in the sandbox, we have forgotten that there's, there's oceans of sand that we haven't even addressed. So, you're going to do a podcast on workplace bullying. It can all be, be about you, hints, tips, et cetera, et cetera, and that's great. Or you can understand that there are other people in your field who are doing really cool stuff, even in employee ownership, and you can invite them to come on. Because here's the thing, you want a client and they want a client. We have 7,000 companies who aren't being served. If you're good at what you do, you'll get hired. If they're good at what they'll do, they'll get hired. And here's the approach that I'm taking moving forward. I'm gonna provide services to companies that I expect people who want to hear my view in person will take me up on it. But that's how I'm gonna earn a living. That's not how I'm gonna grow employee ownership. What I'd like to do is present information that any company can use. If a company wants to circle back and hire my firm, the Keysop Group, I'm obviously okay with that. But the fact of the matter is I wanna grow employee ownership and if someone else can provide the services, there's 7,000 companies, can't say it enough. Go out, find your uh, place in the sandbox, but help grow the sandbox. So, if you, one other point. The reason I welcome anybody in employee ownership who wants to do a podcast is my voice is my voice. There are lots of voices that I can't possibly replicate. Uh, so, I can say I want to talk about workplace bullying, but it's only going to be from my perspective. So anybody interested in an employee ownership podcast, I say this with all sincerity and I'm rolling stuff out that, that, that will catch your attention. If you would like any advice whatsoever on how to do a meaningful podcast in employee ownership, I'm here to help. As you'll see, you may even find that there's a place for your podcast on the Employee Ownership Podcast Network that I intend to open up for anybody with a good, solid podcast. Uh, so there's no competition. To the extent I've decided, and I'm going to wrap up now minutes late, since I am a competitive person, here's how I'm framing my competition moving forward. Let's compete to see how many employee owners and employee-owned companies we can create in the next 10 years. You'll earn a living, I'll earn a living, but let's have the scorecard be, how do we grow employee ownership? I forgot to set the seven-minute timer. I have run long, have no idea uh, how long. Folks, thank you for the last two years. I'm very excited for the next, uh, uh, leg of the journey, what is one podcast I forgot to mention. Uh, we'll have four or five, three of them rolling out in September, uh, two or three more over the fall. Uh, and, and folks, if you're doing something to help grow employee ownership, let me know how I can help. Thanks everybody for tuning in and have a great day. Podcasting.